August 2nd, 2019. Uh, you're listening to the iHeart Asterisk New York podcast hosted by uh, two lovers of New York, uh, New York City. With reservations. With reservations. Uh, my name is Halian. I'm Veronica Yarovsky. We're recording from uh, the box office time machine. <laughs> it's really nice here. Uh, I've never had monitors before while I do a podcast, so my ears are comfortable listening to the sound of my own voice. Um, uh, so th- what, what's this podcast about? Um, I think we're both fans of local politics, probably yeah. more than national politics. Uh, true. I think, you know, I think the older you get, the more you realize that the stuff that should be interesting to you is the stuff that affects you, yes. which is, for the most part, the local Exactly. Stuff. I like that it seems to be something about this space makes people talk about how they're aging. As That's like the common <laughs> topic on your other podcast, too. That's true. Check out Vox Office Time Machine. <laughs> Where people deal with their mortality. <laughs> um, yeah, I personally get, got really into... Uh, the sort of uh, after the 2016 election when a lot of bad things happened and I was like searching around for something to feel more in control and mm-hmm. then at the same time uh, I read The Power Broker which oh, like yeah. really jump started it because mm-hmm. it uh, sort of like opens your eyes to all the different things that make up the city mm-hmm. a lot of different people and like institutions have control over different parts of the city like parts I did not realize, for example, that the subway is mostly controlled by the state government until I read that book, and that's like something that keeps reverberating. Yeah, something that the governor alternately acknowledges and denies. That's right. (laughs) Depending on the day. Uh, I've heard multiple people on Twitter uh, think that endorsed Joe Biden just so that it would get Cuomo out of the state government, because it was announced recently that he would put Cuomo on one of the like cabinet member. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> who nice. would get instead, though. That's the fear, though. Yeah, who's it the could Mike always Pence get worse. Yeah. To Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo. I mean, I don't know that that immediately means that we get Cynthia Nixon instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think New Yorkers really. She only won like thirty-seven percent, I think, or something. Of New York State or New York City? New York State. Okay. Yeah, New York State's very red and conservative. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but 37 is actually impressively For not bad. Yeah. yeah, totally. And going up against the institution that is the Cuomo. Yeah, for sure. House. So, yeah. The House of Cuomo. Yeah, so I think one of the goals of this podcast is to sort of, like, if you live in New York City and you don't know what's going on with your local politics, to sort of give people a little taste so maybe you get more interested and you go out to more sources that actually know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Uh, or if you don't live in New York City, maybe this inspires you to like uh, uh, figure out what's going on in your city. Uh, or, yeah, or if you live in New York City and have no one else to talk to about these things, yeah. you can talk to us because this is a podcast, but at least you can pretend like you are. Right. Like we're talking to you. Right, exactly. And you are a silent partner in this conversation. <laughs> exactly. Um, something I think that another podcast I listened to brings up, like the LA podcast. They uh, they talked about podcast. how great podcast. Uh, they talked about how local government is essentially the the one form of government where you could call up someone and you would get them. Like if you knew if you had like the phone number to your council person, they would probably talk to you because they're not doing much right <laughs> day I, to day. Mine is across the street. 
That's so cool. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, their office is across the street. I've never gone. I have no complaints. No complaints so far. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a different, like, the first step is to, like, become informed. Maybe another step down the line would be to actually, like, air your grievances in person in front of your representative. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like those are two very different steps. Yeah. All right. Uh, so where should we start? What's on the dock? Let's start at... Wh- let's start... Kit with uh, good news. Uh, this is the marijuana decriminalization bill that got passed in June, but only uh, kicked into effect this month, I believe. This is yes, a few uh, days ago, I believe. A few days ago, that's right. This is S6579A, passed by the New York Senate. Uh, I'll just quickly read off the press release that they had because <laughs> this is like the one time where like the New York Senate functioned and had something to like brag about. Um, <laughs> Uh, decriminalization of small amounts of marijuana, um, reducing the penalty for possession to a violation punishable by fine, so you probably won't get arrested now if you're caught with marijuana. Um, automatic record expungement procedures established for retroactive and future convictions. That's pretty rare. Only a couple of cities have done this so far in the U.S. A lot mm-hmm. of, like, Lots of states have passed marijuana decriminalization bills, but very few have then gone on to expunge the records of people who were affected in the past. Which must be frustrating. It's so frustrating. <laughs> a bunch of, like, white people are walking around <laughs> smoking joints and you're in jail. That's yeah. unfair. Um, remove criminal penalties for possession of any amount of marijuana under two ounces. Reduce penalty to a $50 fine regardless of criminal history. Uh, under one ounce and 200 for one to two. And, this is the fun part, I feel like, add marijuana to the definition of smoking. So that anywhere that smoking tobacco is prohibited, smoking uh, marijuana will also be prohibited. So it's basically the same now. Yeah. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's very good. I think it's still... uh, So I think they actually... So this is only for possession. Mm -hmm. I think still like trying to sell all those amounts is illegal. So there's still a whole lot of marijuana-related things, even for small amounts, that is criminalized and still very dangerous to do. Sure. That makes sense. Probably if you are brown and or black, (laughs) not necessarily if you are white. Um, That's true. But, yeah, I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Especially if you're upstate. Because I think in the city, the police and the DA have both agreed to not arrest or prosecute. Right. But if you're upstate... Anything goes, of course. Anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that they would be more lenient upstate, though. Like, I mean, I don't know. For some reason, I think that, like... Because they're hiking a lot. Yeah, they're hiking a lot. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, all these farms. Where are you even going to police that? There's no, like, street corner where you can, like, get someone yes. on this thing. Yeah. It seems like it would probably, like, if your goal was to get people on marijuana possession upstate, it would be harder to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what else is there to do upstate besides smoke pot? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it makes it nicer to be upstate. <laughs> <laughs> and you have all this, you know, luscious fields. What can you grow in them? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's the new crop, right? Uh, but yeah, I think it's definitely uh, a good first step. Still looking forward to complete legalization, New York State, <laughs> 2021, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's the timeline, right? It's like in, in a couple of years, we'll actually have stores selling marijuana. Yeah, well, what 
you and I went to LA recently and we went into a store and you still kind of feel like a criminal doing it because it you go in and if you have not been in California, this is what it's like. It's not like this in Washington state, at least not, not in Seattle, but yeah. you walk in and it's this sort of white walled sanitary anteroom kind of thing yeah. where there's a person at a desk and they have to sign you in they have to like scan your ID they ask you all these questions they make awkward small talk and then they like buzz you into this other room where there's pot but it felt like very you know like when you watch old you know, police procedurals, yes. that's what it would be if, like, someone is trying to make a deal and there's a back room where the actual dope is and you have to go there and you have to be very... There was also, like, an old police officer man who was <laughs> standing guard outside the yeah. the premises but not doing anything. <laughs> he was, like, a gnarled, like, veteran of something or another. He looked like he had seen stuff happen. In the yeah, house. I don't know... Yeah, it was not clear whether he was self-assigned to the spot or whether <laughs> anyone else actually asked him to be there. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so I hope what they do end up doing in New York more resembles Seattle, where it's more of a friendly, mm. it's just another store kind of experience. You walk in, and there's, you know, there's sunlight. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> there are menus, uh, and people are friendlier, I guess. Yeah, it's w- all these shops that in LA have this, or at least the two I've been to, have this weird layout where you are sort of like beneath the clerks. The clerks are on like a, an elevated platform almost uh, oh. behind the counter. <laughs> I haven't like, even noticed that. I don't know if that's just my imagination or not. I sort of, I, I will, I was sometimes bring this up at parties. I'll talk about how, like, I feel like now is the golden age of pot. It's not <laughs> illegal. It's not, you can sort of just get away with buying it and smoking it outside and no one really catches you. I mean, if you're a person of color, I'm sure it's different. But um, this is before, like, pot gets commercialized and corporate, corporatized. Because mm-hmm. I feel like 20 years from now, we'll just be buying pot from, like, two or three brands. Well, that's what it seems like. Uh, that's happened in the places where it's legal, yeah. right? There are larger conglomerates now taking over production. Isn't Willie Nelson an owner and yes. one of the big ones? Yes, I think right. I read that. Um, I mean, supporting your point is the fact that in some of these states, still growing for consumption is illegal, even if actual, like, you can buy it in a store, but you can't grow it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, which is a blatant thing of like, no, you have to buy this from a corporation or a company that makes it as opposed to making it yourself. Yeah, uh, the whole thing is a weird time. But I I think all in all, I'd much rather give my money to like the really hardworking bikers who come to your door uh-huh. <laughs> within like a five-hour window after you call them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That, so, yeah, good news to those people who have their records expunged. Apologies to those who have yet to benefit. Yes. But hopefully, you know, things are going to get better, and this is a good first step. Yep. All right, moving on to Much less- worse news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the firing of Officer Daniel Pantaleo. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. 
um, by the New York City Police Department. Um, Police Commissioner James O'Neill was elected, I guess, or appointed, one of the two, in 2016, and he uh, came out with, he did like this big sad press thing um, on August 19th, I think. Uh, and told everybody that he was going to fire one of his employees <laughs> and that he personally would also be mad at himself if he were part of the police force. Yeah. <laughs> a very weird overall atmosphere. It seemed like he was doing it very reluctantly. He also yes. said that he's been thinking about doing this since um, he was elected three years ago, <laughs> which can't be true. There's no, there, you must have had one day where you weren't thinking about <laughs> Daniel Like Pantaleo. thinking about wanting to fire him or thinking about the onus of having to fire him? I think him. the latter probably more. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, this was met with pretty predictable backlash by, uh, so New York is, I think, covered by a couple of police unions. Um, but the one that I saw was the Police Beneficiary Association. Benevolent? Bene- Benevolent Association. Yeah. Uh, they tweeted out this very mad uh, image. Um, I'm just going to read from it a little bit. Is that the blue line one? Uh, I don't know what the blue line one is. Oh, there's so there's so many angry and immature things of like, uh, you know, if you can't do this job, like, or I mean, the gist of all of them is like, let's see you do this yes. at job instead of me. Or like, how would you feel if there were no cops anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> oh, also for context, we should say that Dan Pantaleo was the police officer involved in the death of Eric Gardner. He's the one who was actively choking him out. Yes. Yeah. Eric Gardner was a black man selling loose cigarettes in 2014, and that was apparently sufficient. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Crime enough to choke him to death. Uh, he said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I tweeted out around that time, can't breathe, won't breathe. Because it was around the time that can't stop, won't stop was also a thing. That, that's, are you sure you want to be bringing this out? <laughs> At the solemn discussion? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very sad. I did it as an act of protest. Um, so the police, the PBA, came out with this statement. Uh, I'll just excerpt it. Uh, police Commissioner O'Neill has chosen to cringe in fear of the anti-police extremists rather than standing up for New Yorkers who want a functioning police department with cops who are empowered to protect them. Um, with this decision, he has opened the door for politicians to dictate the outcome of every single NYPD disciplinary proceeding without regarding for the facts of the case or police officers. Um, also, which is not true. I mean, the Civilian Review Board also recommended that he be fired. Yeah. Um, he will wake up tomorrow to discover that the cop haters are still not satisfied, but it will be too late. The damage is already done. Every police officer in the city has to make their own choice. We are urging all officers to proceed with the utmost caution in this new reality. Um, and statistics bear it out. There was a 27% decrease in arrests uh, in the week after that was announced, mostly for misdemeanors. Uh, situations where police officers have discretion. Yeah, which I would argue is a glass half full situation. Seems, <laughs> I'm okay with that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like uh, it's been proven once, uh, time and time again, that the broken windows theory doesn't really work. Doesn't really work. Yeah. So that's the thing under Giuliani, where they uh, yeah. they swept up people who were sort of just loitering or like whatever, like that they would arrest people for minor misdemeanors. Too. Yeah, which at first was thought to have led to the big crime drop in New York City in the early 90s, but has since been debunked. Right, because it happened globally. Yes, um, but it's also, uh, I think, like, initially, or I think, like, what actually ended up leading to it was the Comstat, Mm. which 
uh, held people or like held district commanders accountable for their stats. Mm -hmm. And initially it was a good thing because they were trying to like lower murders and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then like when they had to keep making arrests, that's when broken windows and shit like that started happening. And also led to them trying to artificially deflate the rate of crime by doing things such as uh, saying to women that they were not really raped (laughs) because they thought that that came out too recently. Yeah. That they thought that like they couldn't solve the case or they didn't want to rape on their docket. So they just, uh, so anyway, uh, another good intentioned policy, you know, for more information by humans, (laughs) (laughs) For more information about CompStat, see the excellent season three of The Wire. Yes. Yeah, that <laughs> is, is, from my reading of it, about it, seems to be very accurate. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I guess that's a, a glass half full thing to know that police officers are now using their... I feel like that, like, that's such a weird way of going about, of throwing your hissy fit. I guess, from yes. the police perspective of just like, okay, you don't want me to do my job in a way where people are saying is bad. Okay. I'm going to do it in a good way and see how you feel about it. And you're like, everything except for your tone makes sense to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have been such babies about this <laughs> from the like day one. Like they, um, I still remember when de Blasio, um, sort of like said something mildly negative about the police and then they, for at every subsequent event would turn their backs on him as he walked past them. Yeah. I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, like, you are you are, you are touting yourself to be these strong men who are there to protect us, and your ego is so fragile that you can't, like, face an ounce of criticism. Yes, no. Strong men and women. But yes. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? I feel like it's less the women that are actually like doing those things. That's true. I mean, I'm sure there are, but just it seems like in the news, the people who are involved in these kinds of things are yeah. men. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it should be easier to fire police officers. It definitely should be easier. It seems like... It's up there with, like, teachers, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think they definitely have a similar problem of just... Um, because... And I'm very pro-union for the most part, but the thing of, like, union fighting to keep a job of a person who's incompetent at mm-hmm. that job seems like should not be a battle that they need to fight. You know, yeah. Like, I feel like com- incompetence is fairly easy to prove, <laughs> or at least like <laughs> at the level where we're at now, where like you basically have to choke out a man on camera, have it be an insanely public thing for a number of years, and then maybe you lose your job three mm-hmm. years later. Like, that's too hard. <laughs> yeah. That like, yeah. If it were like. I don't know if it was for something there was less black and white in terms of, I guess, not the races of the people, but in terms of like the who was right and wrong there. Mm -hmm. And it came out very quickly. Then I guess we could argue that like people are too rash about police officers. But I definitely don't think this was the case or any of the cases that we heard 
seem to be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you have anything else to note about this? Just the concept that being a police officer seems like it's a job you hold for life. It's like you're you're entering this into this brotherhood, and everybody looks out for each other. Mm-hmm. And like when one person's under attack, you sort of like hold the line, and you refuse to like brook any argument that maybe that what the person did was bad. I feel like that's toxic. I feel like that is like unhealthy and it just creates all sorts of weird tensions between the city and like the people who are technically looking out for the city. Yeah. Um, I, I I think this is going to sound pretty mean, but that's not how I mean it necessarily. You're going to say fuck the police? No. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to sound mean. Uh, No. What I was going to say is that I remember when I was growing up, the position of a police officer seemed like so vaulted to me and like they seem like they had so much authority and I had a lot of respect for police officers Mm -hmm. but the more I hear about and this is based a bit of like like specific interactions I've had with the police officers, not like all of them and not the majority of them, but it does seem like they're like, they're just like, sometimes they're a place where someone who couldn't get another job goes and does it. Mm -hmm. Or like, they're not, they have the badge, but they don't necessarily have the sort of the mental acuity that I at least expect like an officer of the law to have, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just, yeah, just the idea that, like, some like some incompetent person happens to be the one who you cross as a citizen and then leads to your life being ruined really sucks. Yeah, one person shouldn't be able to ruin your life, but it does feel But it does feel like the police officers have that um, ability to do that. And the fact that, like... I don't know what their recruitment standards are, but they there sure do seem to be a whole lot of ignorant people on the force. I yeah. don't. Yeah, I just I don't know what needs to change. Yeah, definitely. or what should change. Yeah, that was a long rant. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I think we are. I think this was overall healthy to go through the process of firing someone and then seeing if the city can bounce back from fracturing the relationship it's like creating a wound but it might be long term a good thing yeah I'm sure it certainly feels a lot better than when the eric gardner stuff happened because right after that i believe somebody drove and then drove into the city and then shot two cops through like a window and then it was seen as like de blasio was laying the police behind that felt like a real terrible moment yeah in the time yeah, I don't think any of us are advocating also that police no, officers so. should be harmed. Yeah. That's not the case at all. But it was just like two events that happened back to back. It was like a terrible time. Um, but I do remember the positive thing, the silver lining of all that, was I do remember that people started smoking pot on my street after all that stuff happened because the policing like definitely... There used to be like just one police officer, car, police car parked like near um, where I live. Oh, really? And then people wouldn't do anything. But now, like, people just come out and smoke pot at night. Especially now that the pot's legal. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a stoop culture now on my street, I guess. That's very nice. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, well, speaking of police officers, moving on to our next... Yes. More, I would say 
personally, for some reason, even more enraging to me. Yes. The subject of uh, placard abuse. Placard abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, for those not familiar, I guess, uh, the city issues uh, placards uh to certain employees of the city. And the federal state, too. And the state. Yeah. But that's a different agency that issues those. Yeah. But the end result is the same. You get a placard that grants you the ability to park uh, uh, in places where you would not be fine. This it, Think, l- like, in the middle of a park where people are walking. Well, <laughs> so this is, like, the most... Yeah, that's the most Like, I think the idea behind it was, hey, you can... Like, whenever there's a street cleaning, you can still park there and not get a ticket. Mm-hmm. I think that's the intent of it. What the practically ends up happening is, yes, people parking in parks or in do-not-stop lanes or in front of fire hydrants or on bike lanes. And uh, while uh, Bloomberg kind of limited the number of being of these plaques being issued... Uh, de Blasio kind of reversed that trend, and there are now anywhere between. I read one place said 140,000, another place said 160,000 of these placards. And to even add to those legit placards, there's a, there's a Twitter account documenting these, but <laughs> of just people using anything that could be related or interpreted as a profession that could be granted one of those placards yes. in lieu of placards uh, on their dashes. So it could be anything from a T-shirt from a police retreat to, uh, I don't know, to like uh, to like a yellow vest or anything yep. or an expired badge or like all these things. My favorite example is that there was somebody took a photo of a car where someone had put their 2018 police officer exam. Oh yeah. As yeah, a yeah. They got a B minus. So. Yes. <laughs> Back to my previous point. <laughs> so someone who's technically not even an officer. Um, they passed, but yeah, they didn't pass with flying marks, but they did pass. <laughs> so yeah. So this has been happening I mean, I think probably if you work or spend any time around the halls of city, around our boroughs, mm-hmm. you would find that a lot around police stations, city's hall, city's hall <laughs> yeah. around parks where police officers seem to want to congregate and play their softball games, where yes. they tow away vehicles illegally or boot vehicles for parking and what they deem is their parking lot for that specific softball game. Yes, um, there was a, a, a another news article came out like a, a couple months ago where there was a softball event and right, they just yeah. parked blatantly <laughs> near it, <laughs> yeah, in like a no parking zone. Yeah, they uh, and I believe what they also did was they set up an illegal one of those uh, placards on the street that says like you cannot park here on Sunday afternoon. Yes, and it was to because of that, which is not a valid reason to clear a street from. Residents, no. um, so yeah, I'm not. I guess. Why does this make you so mad? I guess I think that's it's a good just way to like it such blatant uh, abuse of power that it seems so. We all know about it. Yeah, it's so prevalent. It's so obvious. It's so obvious why it's not being enforced because 
it's the people who are enforcing supposed to be enforcing it are the same people who are making all the violations. Yep. And yeah, it just I don't know, it just makes me so angry that people are like, Yeah, I'm a cop, that means I can park wherever. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's not necessarily even a cop. Hey, I'm a city council person. Hey, I'm a city teacher, apparently, like public school teachers. Um, I think it violates one of the most important principles of living in New York, which is that it sucks and we're <laughs> all in it together. It, yeah. More so than other cities, I think that's like the unifying force here. And this is definitely an example of where like the police are above the law for some reason. Yeah. And it's, no one's doing anything about it. And it's been happening for years and years and years. And there's multiple Twitter accounts yeah. uh, detailing it. And nothing gets done. And even to bring in the upcoming hopeful congestion pricing laws that are going to come in, yes. that is one thing that the police is fighting for is to have not only their uh, actual official police vehicles be exempt from those, which I guess is fine, but their private vehicles, Mm -hmm. all the police officers should not be subject to congestion pricing either, which is insane. You're not on the job. Yeah, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And they're probably going to get it too because, like, again – the, the unions are so powerful, and who is going to stop them? Yeah. And the uh, Department of Education, just to, like, exempt police officers a little bit, the Department of Education also has been known. Like, they issued 50,000 uh, yeah. placards to teachers just, like, a couple of years ago, even though it was already becoming a problem and people were talking about reducing the number. Yeah, it seems like a weird, almost, perk that you get. Yeah. Uh, which... I mean, that's the thing. I feel like if I were on the other side of this, I would be like, oh, cool. I can park wherever and not be... Yeah, and you'd be mad if somebody took that away from you after oh. years of having it, for sure. Like, you know, I feel like I... I mean, maybe depending on my situation, I feel like it would be one of those things where you've abused a loophole and then it got closed and you're like, ah, okay, well, it was good <laughs> while it was lasted. I don't know whether I would be like... Because it seems insane to me to be against this i feel like just to save face we should all or like i would want to be like yeah it is bad it's a bad system yes you know like i want to be like no we should get to keep doing this yeah you know exactly um yeah and uh, also another thing to add on to this is that we have a, we now have a lot of bike lanes. That's a good thing. The bad thing is that the police seem to be parking in them also yes. with impunity. That seems also just another example of flatting your privilege. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's almost never the right thing to do. No. Like it's almost never necessary. And yeah, you're endangering so many people by doing it. Mm. I mean, biking in the city, even in bike lanes, is still pretty I mean, dangerous. Very dangerous. <laughs> and, like, why are you adding that to it? But that's the thing, because it seems, I mean, though maybe we'll talk in a different episode Absolutely. about car culture yes. in New York City and how, like, we still believe that cars have the, you know, first right of way. Yes. Um, so, and every time someone is trying to take away parking spots from like anywhere any street if you know if the homeowners association on that block is strong enough where they have some sort of mm-hmm. thing they go and they yell at city hall for it <laughs> <laughs> which is 
come on, you're living on 13th Street. Your house is very expensive already. Yeah. Pay for the garage. <laughs> um, well, how much time do we have? Uh, we currently are showing the number of beats on the logic, but not the time itself. I think we have time for maybe one more segment. Yeah. Do you want to do... Uh, wh- which one do you want to do? Housing, maybe? This is just, like, sad in general, but... Uh, yeah, let's talk about housing. Um, okay, so this is the NYCHA, the New York Common Housing Authority? No, it's just the NYC Housing Authority. Uh, is one of the country's lar- It's the country's largest housing, public housing, um, system, serving over 400,000 people. This is, uh... City-owned buildings being leased to tenants under Section 8 housing mm-hmm. uh, laws. They have not had a great couple of years. No. Uh, it all started, I think, the thing that set it off was that there was a 2018 report saying that they were they needed $31 million of additional funding to just fix problems. Like <laughs> uh, heating, uh, uh, le- we're going to talk about lead. Lead, you, yeah. You Led to contamination and other problems, um, but yeah. So the article that came out recently was that uh, they have 135,000 apartments to de-lead, and oh, there's God. not enough money or time to do it. Um, so de-lead in terms of paint or in terms of piping or both? I believe it's paint. Although let me pull up the specific article I have in mind. Um, do you have what? How do you get rid of lead paint? Can you just paint over it? Or I, I guess th- what is the level of effort involved in removing the paint? Um, let's find out. Yes, so it's lead paint. Uh, I believe you have to scrape it off, although oh. I, I personally don't know. Um, and it's just part of the... Uh, so it's part of the ongoing battle between... This is, again, Cuomo versus de Blasio. Cuomo has, I think, 500 thousand dollars locked up or 500 no it's five hundred thousand dollars locked up i think and he refuses to give it to the nyc housing authority until we establish like new oversight uh, which is something that they've been fighting about at the local level so meanwhile while this like giant political drama takes place people are actually being harmed there was a lot of articles that came out during the winter about how mm-hmm. many buildings can be heated and there was an article that came out recently that one building has been on gas generators for a month. Jesus. Which is insane. Um, God, the city is falling apart. <laughs> yeah. I think the sad thing about this is that the NY Housing Authority is something that we should be proud of. Housing is a right, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And it's great that we are the one city that seems to really embrace that. It was built like under LaGuardia, uh, the, the famous little flower mayor um, <laughs> who like little erected. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, uh, that was like during like when liberalism was in ascendancy, when we had, he built public education, he built public housing. He, the subway was holding the most people it ever did. Like historically that we've only fallen since then. Um, you, we had like subway stations in different places that are all now closed. Um, it was a great time for New York. It was yeah. like the moment that like we really tried to provide for everyone, and it feels like right now that's like the opposite. Yeah. Um, and it's just sad that they they only need like enough money that what well, would it take like to build like two missiles? <laughs> 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 just get rid of two missiles, sell them off to someone. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It depressing. is. Yeah. It is very sad, especially knowing that this is happening to people who's probably political voice is the least heard anyway 
And so it seems like the governor and the mayor can afford to sort of make this into like a political thing as opposed to actually fixing the problem and then maybe then squabble about oversight or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really frustrating. I want to correct my numbers. It's $31.8 billion and we have $550 million locked up. So I was just off by an order of magnitude, <laughs> <laughs> which is even more depressing. Uh, yeah, so like housing in New York, it's, a, it's something that's like a constant problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think the... I think, like, a thing came out recently about how there's uh, fewer and fewer... I think the limit's, like, 800 a month. That's, like, the number at which housing becomes affordable for, like, the people who need it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fallen since 1999 sharply, whereas the number of people who, have fa- who need that housing has fallen more gradually. So, like, mm-hmm. overall, like, yes, people... The city's getting better, the economy's getting better for people, but, like, the housing supply is dropping much faster than the rate at which people's lives are getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like something that Bloomberg completely ignored. And then under de Blasio, there's been like some couple of half-hearted efforts to sort of split uh, to like bridge that. But mostly de Blasio has built luxury apartments. Right. And which it's is not great. Yeah. And it seems like even when they are trying to build affordable housing in places, it is either objected to by the locals yep. Or it actually, like, is a boon for the landlords because for some reason they keep paying insane amounts for those properties, which is also crazy. Um, Yeah. I read this thing recently about how Japan solved its housing problem. Mm -hmm. So in the 80s, uh, they had a system basically such as ours where there was no enough, uh, not enough housing Uh, affordable housing for everyone and so what they ended up doing is for the most part abolishing zoning altogether oh yeah and um which basically meant that you could have you know multi-purpose buildings everywhere and uh and you can also you could have also added to your house to your existing property without having to go through an extensive permit process. And so what that basically did is that it cheapened housing so much Mm -hmm. that uh, it was cheaper to build and anyone could afford to uh, live somewhere. And so their housing problem is almost gone, but the value of their houses plummeted as a result, which in a system such as ours, which, you know relies on that housing bubble and the value of your house you basically mortgage your house for basically most things mm-hmm. uh seems like it might not work or it would be a very bitter pill to swallow for many people it really would be, yeah. but it does the more i think about it, it seems to be the right way of doing it <laughs> yeah as someone who does not own an apartment yes. nor could afford one yes i think the common thing that's brought up is that the history of zoning is the history of um racial segregation but also like the preserving preserving one's own like economic value in the system exactly like, it because that's what keeps your prices artificially high exactly um so yeah sad I also heard that in Minnesota they did similar things where a suburb could no longer be zoned for just single-family homes, Mm -hmm. for example. So now they could build, I don't know, like a condo building next to a private house. And 
people should suck it up and be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you, for people who want to know more about public housing, check out David Simon's equally great show, The Hero <laughs> TV show, which <laughs> talks about the desegregation of Yonkers housing. <laughs> yeah, our goal should be to have David Simon on this podcast. <laughs> He'd be great. He, he would seems, be great. I feel like a he would be too scary. Um, well, so we don't want to uh, wrap this up on a bum note. We didn't do New York. Let's do a New York moment. Yeah. So yeah. that's so let's do a New York. So this is uh, we're each gonna share uh, uh, something fun that we did in New York recently, and which made us like the city. Sure. Uh, mine's pretty simple. I think I I recently discovered that there is a bar in my neighborhood that has outdoor space. Uh, called Washington Commons. Yeah, which is, I'm a huge fan of, and I've been I've been trying to get more and more sunlight. One of the goals I think this year was for me to get more sunlight, get the vitamin D going. Uh, Slang so, that D. Yeah, get that VD. <laughs> uh, while I was walking there, I saw like a little three year old kid run and hug a dog with like no shame. Aww. Just <laughs> And then his dad was like, Arnie, you can't do that. <laughs> We've talked about hugging, do- hugging dogs. Before. I was like, oh, okay, this kid loves dogs. <laughs> he just went for it. He just like full on grabbed the dog's face and shoved it into his face. Oh, <laughs> what kind of dog was it? It was a small Boston Terrier. Was so it, it receptive? It was patient. I don't know if it was receptive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like someone, yeah, it was the dog, the kid took a risk and it paid off. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I really love my neighborhood in the summer, I guess. That's, That's really cool. Um, well, for me, my mom was visiting recently and I've been trying to figure out what to do with her. Not in mm-hmm. a bad way, but rather like how can we not just spend all of our evenings scooped up in my apartment? Yes. And so, uh, I suggested that we go to, uh, play some mini golf because I always wanted to go to the mini golf at Pier 25 by Tribeca. And uh, I finally did. I mean, it's a very, I have a very short bucket list. <laughs> uh, but it was super nice. It's $7 for adults, which seems very cheap. Uh-huh. And I think probably because it's subsidized by the Parks Administration. Mm-hmm. Go Parks. Uh, and yeah, it was great. It was packed. Every, mm. Everyone was there. Everyone who's anyone. And uh, my mom, who's never played mini golf, did two holes in ones. That's cool. So it was very, uh, I was a very proud child. Uh, and yeah, and it was great. And I, it made me happy that we actually still do invest money in creating these spaces in our city. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, people to just have fun uh, without like, having to pay an insane amount of money to do so. Right, definitely. Uh, And uh, actually, we also ended up going to Governor's Island, and that was a similar thing. Very affordable ferry. It's free if uh, you have NYC ID. Which uh, you recommend everyone get. Yeah. I should just get it. You should get it. You get free memberships in all those places, at least for the first year, and great perks, such as not having to pay $3 to ride that (laughs) ferry. And in there, yeah, you just... It, they, I mean, they renovated it so much since the last time I've been there, like eight years ago. And there were so many families and people just biking around. There was a unicycle festival. That's great. And there were people learning how to ride unicycles. And there was all this art inside these 
uh, old colonel's quarters, just all this modern art, some of it very cool. Um, so yeah, it was a great thing that, you know, there are still city organizations around the city who are working towards those things to make, you know, pleasant spaces for yeah. people to hang out in. For all people. Which for is, all people. But it seems like these days, it seems more and more like certain places are just for certain people with money. Exactly. It's really nice to have the alternative. Yeah, as evidenced by the South Street Seaport when oh. they like blocked off public space for people to watch fireworks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, like is there any New York things that you are excited about coming up? No, but your parts things remind me of when we went to roller derby. That was another thing that was run by the parts, I think. Uh, partially, if not. I think totally. it was, yeah, I think it was had some association with the parks. I'm not sure to what extent. Me neither. It might just be that the venue was a parks venue. Yeah. But yeah, that was really cool. We were trying to figure out the rules to roller derby the entire time. <laughs> we looked it up, didn't really help. There was also like a pamphlet brochure, didn't really help. I feel like I explained it well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did not. There was some amount of forming circles and then like running through the circles. I think I got that much at least. Yeah. It's very exciting sport. Uh, tune in to our <laughs> <laughs> roller derby podcast so coming up. In the future, I think I, the most exciting thing is that I will sign up for NYCID. It's definitely on the to-do list. You can guest people in to the ferry and stuff like that? No. Oh, so your mom did have to pay the Yes. Yeah, yeah, she had to pay. <laughs> yes. That's a cool program. It's for people who wouldn't otherwise qualify for maybe like a driver's license or something. Yeah, it's um, yeah. it does it is not good to obtain alcohol, yes. which is problematic. But I think it's not because they didn't want it. It's more because it's a state law and yeah. not a city law. Uh, well, I am looking forward to uh, seeing the Leonard Cohen exhibit. Oh yeah, that is uh, going on until September 8th. So I've really been procrastinating on that. <laughs> but I heard good things, and I would love to check it out in one of our city's amazing museums. Yes, for sure. Uh, oh, I have something. I, I'm looking forward to the Queen's Night Market. It's running for a couple more weeks in oh, September. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to go. Yes, after the U.S. Open closes out, it's the same area in Queens. Um, we'll go and have a lot of greasy food it'll be great hooray <laughs> and then we'll walk the way back <laughs> yeah so we'll walk the two and a half hours back to where we live exactly. doable actually not fun but doable <laughs> yes uh all right is there any other new york issues we should discuss nope just go out check out read the like what are some good resources people should read if they're really interested in this after listening to our podcast uh, well, I think, like, the most accessible things would probably be, like, the New York Times metro section, yes. Gothamist, the street blog. Street blog's great. That's def I'm definitely a fan of that. Um, Second Avenue Sagas is run by Benjamin Kapak. Uh, he has a Twitter account, too. It's mm -hmm. about the, the news in New York. Um, there's this guy I follow on, on Twitter called Nolan Hicks. He's, like, a reporter for the city beat somewhere. Not sure where. Uh, and weirdly enough, New York Post and the New York Daily News are sort of semi-reliable sources for yeah. information. They do keep track of local news. Yeah. You can get past the tabloids. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, uh, I have uh, on my smart speaker, one of the routines that I have in the morning is listening to their the Daily News uh, update about yeah. the city. And it's usually pretty good. Uh, so, yeah. 
don't just go to the gray lady. Go to her <laughs> other minions, too. Yes. Uh, so that's it for this podcast. If you liked it, email us, I guess. <laughs> How would you... Comment, I guess. Okay. I don't know. We're putting this up on Anchor. I yeah. assume there's some sort of commenting feature. There might not be. I don't think there is. Email me at hihi at howlian.org, H-A-L-L-I-N.org, if you want to know more about okay. New York City News, I guess. That's all I have. What what is your Twitter handle? Twitter Mayor? handle is Hal for Mayor H A O F O R Mayor. Um, that was unrelated to New York City news, but it's just something I had that then became more meaningful <laughs> <laughs> as time went on. It would be cool to be mayor of the city. Of the city? Oh man, I feel like it would be so much work. It would be a lot of work. <laughs> I I don't think I can handle it. Is there a way for people to contact you? You don't use Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I'm private. I'm private everywhere. <laughs> contact how? <laughs> I'll forward it along to Veronica. Yeah, if you yeah, you can say attention Veronica on the uh, the email subject line. Yeah, and how will hopefully get it to me. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll see you on the subway. See. On the subway. <laughs> Save us the aisle seat. Choo choo. No. <laughs> That's the other podcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye.